Thank you for tuning in to the Biz Jitsu Podcast. This is Vince Pakleb, your host. This is the podcast where we talk all things business and all things jujitsu. We hope you enjoy the show. We're live. Um, so a couple quick things. Number one, welcome uh, to the Biz Jitsu Podcast. Uh, we are here with Nick Angeloni, a uh, black belt from uh, Sequence Jiu-Jitsu, as well as the owner of Prism Jiu-Jitsu and the co-founder of, it's called Breath Retreats, is that correct? Roll Breathe. Roll Breathe Retreats. Um, and uh, anyways, super excited to get started and uh, talk shop with my boy Nick. Archie, what's up, man? What's up, everyone? Uh, so, uh, so Nick, welcome to the show. Appreciate you taking some time. I know you just came from training, so yeah, um, excited to to be able to dig in. Uh, for the sake of everybody that's listening and meeting you for the first time, um, let's just get started with hearing a little bit about you and your background. In uh, we'll start with martial arts, then we'll talk about business. Um, martial arts was, you know, I actually started with karate, like pretty much every kid that grew up in the '90s just do karate. And then uh, I was getting close to black belt there. And that was right around the time I discovered jujitsu. And then uh, I remember going to sequence jujitsu at first as a white belt. And um, it, uh, I was getting ready to test for my black belt in karate. And they're like, yeah, it's like $500 to test for your black belt. Okay. And I was like, ah, I'll just do jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> what year was this? Um, I've been training 13 years, I think. Or no, actually, ooh. I guess maybe that would be 16, 15 years ago. So I started jujitsu at that age, uh, then got in a really bad motorcycle. So I trained for like two months, got in a bad motorcycle crash, didn't do anything for like a year and a half, and then started again when I was like after high school. Oh, wow. Maybe like right as I graduated. So when you started, was Sequence still um, like across from Tyler Mall? Is that what it was? Uh, no, the one across from Tyler Mall. So I trained. So I started sequence. Um, it's a funny story, actually. It's going to be re- re- it's going to be pretty relevant now. Uh, started at sequence, which was at Del Taco and uh, behind the Del Taco in Hamden and Norco. Oh, wow. It was like this real, really little place. And um, when I got hurt, and I decided to come back. So when I trained there, Sean Strickland trained there. Oh no way! And I was just starting, and he was like five, six, and zero oh in the UFC, and we didn't get along. He, well, not on my end. But he didn't like me, <laughs> and um, and uh, so he would always kick my ass because uh, I was like first weeks of training, sure, sure. and then I was sparring with him. <laughs> he oh, would just send me home with big giant black legs, you know. And uh, um, so when I came back to training, I'm like, I don't really want to train with that guy. Right. Oh, that <laughs> and so I went to Tenth Planet in Riverside. That's the one that's across from the mall. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Got um, it few years go by and then i run into johnny muñoz jr who's in the ufc now currently and he was like you know sean doesn't train with us anymore uh because he knew that was the issue and i was like ah well i'll be by here i am (laughs) yeah so i got my blue and purple about 10th planet then went back oh got it um and it's a funny story because because sean was really young then where i are we're close to the same age and i'm sure he was i was a teenager i'm sure he was too um didn't see him for years and then i think as a blue belt or purple belt i saw him at a gym somewhere and he like triple took me like definitely Mm -hmm. because he was he didn't make any he actively i'm gonna say he bullied me (laughs) um and it was kind of just one of those things well i well i know i can't kick your ass because that's what we were just doing so (laughs) 
right. you know. Um, so, so I don't know where we go from here. Right, right. <laughs> so, so, uh, but then, yeah, he tri- triple took me, definitely recognized me. And then I walked in and he was kind of like, hey, I'm Sean. And I took that as like, we're the, starting over. The piece, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, oh, cool. And I, I see him. I see him once every six months around and he's, he's a nice guy. He's, he's a cool guy now. For sure. I, I think he's just a young dude yeah. at the time. That, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but anyways, so I got my black belt from sequence. Um, after, after sometime around purple belt or brown belt is when I, purple belt is when I started fighting. Right. Uh, it was four and two amateur, um, five and one pro king of the cage junior welterweight champ they have a junior welterweight which is 160 pounds 160 pounds yeah yeah um and then uh i signed with i was five and one signed with a pretty big agency or with a really big agency iridium sports they they represent a ton of champs Mm -hmm. and they were like all right get you one more fight and then we can get you on the contender and uh i got a fight it was april 4th 2020 unbelievable march 30th all the fights no more fights unbelievable um and so I trained through COVID, but you know, I I liked fighting, but I really loved jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that point, I really hated my life, like the professional side of my life. Sure, sure. sure. Um, I was just fucking grinding. So I had. Can we cuss on the podcast? Of course. Okay, it's America. You say whatever you want. <laughs> so I um, I had a a dent removal business i fixed dents on, like door dings i remember that yeah so i traveled around uh I, I drove around orange county fixing dents and then would just go to pro practice uh during the day do more dents then go to jujitsu or kickboxing class at night um and i was just 16 hours a day every single day for a handful of years where was your uh your home base training um when i was a pro so my amateur first few amateur fights, I floated a lot. I was at like I was kind of looking for a home. Uh, I was at Pinnacle. I don't know if you remember Pinnacle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where Bobby Green came out of. Yep. Um, so I was at Pinnacle, and through Pinnacle, I met John Munoz, who has Sequence, and then Sequence became my my home gym right. for the second half of my amateur career. Okay. Then when I went to turn pro, I moved to Denver trained at elevation and with Dwayne Ludwig mm-hmm. was they were affiliated back at that time mm-hmm. um and then moved back and trained at, at sequence um so for the majority of my pro career I was in Denver uh and then I came back and then was working with sequence so um I forget where I was where, where were we going with that no 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 we were just talking about uh, where your where your home base um training was oh yeah so yeah I was so I forget what we were saying before that, but yeah, I trained pro for a while. Oh, it was during COVID time. So yeah, I, I, um, I just didn't, I was really burnt out. And so I told myself, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to keep going at this until I fail. Like I can't, I've put too much into this yeah, you're too to quit to- at it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be like, yeah, I'm tired. I quit. I quit. You know? So I was like, I'm going to go as far as I can until I fail. Um, and then uh, after COVID, I had a, a fight lined up. Um, and it was the same deal. It was like, you win this one, we'll get you a, we'll get you a fight. And then like a couple of weeks before it hurt my ankle, um, and was about to have my daughter. And then I was like, okay, can't take this fight. I'm about to have a kid. I cannot make an income train full time and be any sort of a dad. Um, 
some people can do that. I don't have the talent for that. Like I have to train three, four hours a day all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so I was like, okay, that's my, that's my wall. Like I'd have to compromise higher values in order to keep going with this. So I take that as like, you know, I, I failed at that, but I was, but it was a bit immediately after that I opened the gym and I started competing in jujitsu because I was like, I need to compete still. I still have that addiction to adrenaline and, and like, you know, things like that. So I need to compete still, but I can work, but with jujitsu, like I can teach and train at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like I teach a class and then I jump in with the sparring afterwards mm-hmm. and I'm doing both. But MMA, it's not like that. I had, and I had no interest in running an MMA gym. That's a much more complicated business model. Yeah. You know? Um, so, um, yeah, so I was like, I could still compete and I have saved half my time. And then, you know, I can still be around with my daughter all the time. So, and I was just instantly, life was better. It was yeah. just like, this is what God wanted me to do. Everything worked out perfectly. Like the gym exploded instantly. Um, I got a lot of, a lot of questions about that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and hey, competition Nick. went well as well. Hey Nick, yeah. what was your, um, during your MMA career, what was your style? Like, did you, were you the guy that wants to stand up or you wanted to take it to the ground? I was like, a. I was like, a. um, I, my goal was to be like a somewhat of a cross between GSP and Khabib. <laughs> um, so I was definitely like a, a ground and pounder, you know, um, just, I, I was, but, uh, sometimes it was not by choice because I, because I was a grappler, I always got paired with strikers. Um, and so the obvious like game plan going in was like, all right, well, I'm going to take this guy down. I, I did get matched up with a grappler once and then I knocked him out. Um, nice. but uh, the other times it was just like, ah, well, could I stand with this guy? Like, probably, but could I beat him on the ground? Like, for sure. So it was kind of like, I always kind of got pushed into like a direction that I had to go, you know? Um, but yeah. That's awesome. Hey, so I want to go real quick to Elevation, your time with Dwayne Ludwig. I remember that time. I remember kind of snapshots of, uh, of that time. And you were pretty immersed in the whole Ludwig mm-hmm. system, right? Yeah. Man, I've, I, um, he is one of the most probably without him knowing really uh is like one of the most influential people um that i've experienced on my like professional life um like rather my business life and my martial arts life there's a lot of things about the way that i run my school that i took from him even though he was running a striking program and i run in a purely sport jujitsu school um but yeah yeah um, well, I think that's what's fascinating is uh, I remember I went to a Dwayne Ludwig seminar. This would have been whatever, 2012. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, it was really fascinating. It was fascinating the way he coached and um, the way he labeled uh, positions and, yes. and, and labeled yeah. combinations and tied those things together because it kind of creates this level of awareness of, oh, here's where I am and here are my options, yeah. right? So um, anyways, and that was just a small snapshot, right? That was a, a workshop that was two it, or three hours long. And I think that fits with like, you know, you, you us both or um, us, all of us being jujitsu guys, the, um, it really fit with like my mindset because it was, what was hard for me was when I, when you, when you learn jujitsu, there are like, there are answers to your problem. It's, it's it's mathematical. There's art in there, but it's very scientific. It's like if this happens, 
this is the answer, you know, and you can maybe do it this way, you know, maybe do it this way, but there's like, statistically speaking, this is the best answer, you know? Um, whereas like in, in striking, you can be like, you could do all the right things. And then there's like, well, he's just faster than you. <laughs> and there's no answer to that. <laughs> he's just stronger than you. Yeah. Um, the, uh, or it, like striking is a lot more like, well, you could do this or you could do this, or maybe this works for you. Maybe this works for you. Um, and like Dwayne's system really like clicked for me because it was like, against this, you do this. And against this, I'm like, oh, thank you. Fuck. Like, finally, like, my, like, uh, um, obsessive, I guess, maybe type A-ish type personality where it's like, dude, I need solid answers. Don't don't just tell me to, like, ah, go with what you feel. Right. (laughs) You know? This is not the time (laughs) to to be ambiguous. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that that was really awesome. But also, um, his... There's, there's so many things that he's great at. at. Like, he's a great mental coach. I, I don't think anyone talks about that um, because he he will, like, he will get you to believe in yourself and, like, give you confidence in a way that's, like, so subtle that it's, you, it's not – it's, like, if a coach tells you, like, hey, you're going to win this one. You're going to do it. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, well, I, you're just being positive. I get it. You know what I mean? You're supposed he, to say that. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he has like this way of just putting little things in there like where like like an underlying message over time that gets you to be like, man, like he's one of the people that like affect my confidence the most. Mm. Where I'd be like, man, he he really I don't know. He just he mind fucks you in a great way. <laughs> well, give me give me an example like of uh, of something that you would recall that um like i remember like one thing that he'll do is he'll find good fighters that he that he finds similarities with you um and he'll be like oh yeah you do this you remind me of this guy because you both do that and you're like oh shit i'm like him you know what i mean like real big you know but he's not directly saying like you're the greatest champ you know what i mean which is really easy to see through it's just like it's like under under the rug compliments you know or he'll be like um He'd be like, all right, so what are your goals? That was one thing that I would overhear. He asked me, he had, we had this conversation once or twice and I'd hear him having, having it with other people too. He'd ask me what your goals are. And then he wouldn't just directly be like, yeah, you could do that. He'd be, he would just talk about it in a way like, okay, so what are we going to do to get there? So we can do this, we do this, we do this. And then the, the kind of underlying tone is, was, all right, if you do those things, then we, we reach the goal. Right. And it was just like, um, and I honestly never even asked him if he did it intentionally, but I, I feel like he did. He's a pretty calculated guy. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I did see it. I saw, I would overhear conversations where he was doing the same thing, you know? Wow. Um, so yeah, he would just, he would just um, talk positively about you without it being so obvious that he was trying to get you. Yeah. Try to build you up. Yeah. 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 That's, um, that's, uh, that's fascinating. How much time did you spend with him? Three years. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we moved back, um, we moved back home when we knew that we were going to have kids because, um, well, I mean, honestly, I was, I was, other than the training, I was tired of Denver. Mm. I didn't like it at all. Right. <laughs> uh, cause I was really poor and I couldn't afford the clothes that would make winter bearable and, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and a bunch of other, a bunch of other things. There was no good Mexican food there. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But you know what? Another thing that I got from him that um, is so this, so that's a martial arts example. Another thing I got from him in terms of running a business that I make my goal in every day in my in my school is that when you left, okay, so usually with say you're going to like uh, Orange Theory or something, you know, like to work out. Uh, you, you get yourself pumped up to go and you're like, and then you finish and you're like kind of dead. Like, all right, I'm glad I did that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. At least that's how I feel for like a, you know, but when I would go to his school, I was excited to get there. And when I left, I was even more excited. Mm. I wasn't like, I mean, I was tired, but I was like, I always left better than when I got there. Right. You know? Um, and he went about that in several different ways, but I was like, that is my goal for, and I don't reach this, but, but, but my goal is every person leaves feeling better than when they got, it got to my school every time they come, you know? Now, now do you think that's a result of the programming? Is it a result of the conversations? Like how, how do you work to achieve that goal? Um, that's a good question. I haven't it, off it, off the top of my head, I would say that it's, it's three things. It is the programming because you leave feeling like you accomplished something. You leave feeling like I am I am a step closer to where I want to be because mm -hmm. uh, you because you learn something every time you come there. And um, he kind of he did a really good job of like keeping his school like a small school vibe. Even though he had hundreds of students, he always like when class was running. Or if there was people there, he was on and he was like ready to talk to people, which mm -hmm. is what I try to do as well. Um, but he um, so it's 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 the programming. It's also his like genuine. Like overwhelming excitement for for what he's doing that rubs off on you. And it's also the culture that he created in his school. Like everyone is excited. If Like if you're not excited about Muay Thai, you probably wouldn't want to be there. It would be like, this is, you guys are weird. Yeah. <laughs> so like the people that were there, everybody's just like yelling and, and just like, oh, screaming and cussing. And you know what I mean? And everybody is just like, he's just infectious. So it's the culture he created, his personality and the way that he delivers and then his curriculum, I think. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that is, um, you know, from what I've seen, right again, it's very limited. I, I met him at that one workshop and, just kind of seen him, you know, through various occasions, but more like from a distance. Uh, but there is a certain personality that he has mm -hmm. um, that, uh, again, I think you talk about just the culture that uh, yeah. that he develops. And that reigns true with all of the, you know, Ludwig system mm -hmm. and people that 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 follow that that system so that's a that's super cool man so do you think a lot of that has carried over into uh just the way that you look at um uh approaching jujitsu and the way you're teaching your students um not in the way that i approach jujitsu for my own application but in the way that i teach my students that there's a you know it's there's a couple people that i feel like most influence the way that i run the school um and he he's one of them um because i i don't have the same natural high energy that he has mm -hmm. and you have to you have to be real like you can't force yourself mm -hmm. to be yelling all the time if that's not you because eventually you're gonna come down yeah um yeah people see through that right yeah yeah um but i show my 
but my enthusiasm is genuine and I think it shows in, in other ways. And so, um, the, so there's that, uh, the other person that I feel like had the most influence in the way I run the school is, is my instructor, John Munoz. Mm -hmm. And he, in that sense, what the biggest influence that he had other than I take a lot of business advice from him. Um, and that's, but in terms of the program, the way it is like in the school, he doesn't like, he doesn't water down anything in order to make it palatable for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think both of those things are good. Like, right. There's, there's like the Henry Gracie jujitsu for everyone thing. That's good. But his approach in, which is my approach is that he has much deeper impacts on less people even though he has a big school, because we're saying less people, like Hannah Gracie school has like 3000 students. So mm -hmm. it's less than that. You know, he has a much deeper impact on less people, which is more important to me. So like when you go to train there, it's fucking hard. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard. And, um, the, and if you, do you sink or you swim, right. you know what I mean? And, and if you sink, he's kind of like, Hey, it's, it's not for you. It's nothing right. personal, but, um, he doesn't make it easier for you to be there right. so that he can make more money. You know, yeah. I mean? you know what's interesting about that? I was thinking about that uh, as you were coming in today. I was going to ask you because, I mean, there's a bunch of killers mm -hmm. in this in your homeschool, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, at, sequence. at Sequence. Yeah, yeah. And it's super interesting because, um, you know, guys like uh, Paul Harani and Jay Hartman mm -hmm. and Bowser and those guys, you know, I saw them just progress and kind of go through that entire process. Yeah. And. I mean, those guys are assassins mm -hmm. and uh th there was a picture that um jay hartman had posted and it was just you know whatever it's like seven or eight black belts and i co commented back with like the ninja emoji mm -hmm. right because uh, i'm like man there's a you know again i don't know who else was in the room but i'm like that's very solid room yeah um to to be in what's uh what's that like um well i never thought about it i guess because that's just i'm used to that um i don't know it's it it's it's a unique thing. Like, like John talking about culture, which is huge, I think for businesses, I think the culture that John has is like, um, not, it's not going to be for everyone, but if it is for you, you're like, you're there for, you're with your, your, it's right. kind of for life. You know what I mean? Um, because he's had such, because he has such a large impact and training like that is going to change who you are. Sure. You know, um, like people are going to be pretty loyal to to that you know mm -hmm. and i don't think he does it he i know he doesn't he doesn't do that in a intentionally like oh, this is how i'm gonna manipulate people into staying it's it's not that that's just that's just the way that he grew up and that's just the way he knows how to do it right. but the effect is it it changes you you know what i mean the i remember starting my first business which was the dent business um now this only applies to small business. Uh, but like, I remember talking to my wife, like, Oh, how do you know that you could do this or that? I'm like, man, but the, the, what I've like been through for, to become a fighter and training at sequence and things like that is so fucking hard. There's no way that like no one in the, in the dent repair industry is going <laughs> to keep up with me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just not like, you know, uh, uh, I'm not gonna say nobody, but I'm gonna be up there. You know what I sure. mean? Um, and I think that's, I think that's, you know, this is off topic, but that's why it's so important to put your kids in like martial arts because 
the only the only true thing that uh that that came out of uh the only true thing there's a lot of bullshit in the movie fight club the only true thing that came out of it is uh when you once you've been in a fight everything else has the volume turned down Mm -hmm. you know um i don't think that's true for uh one fight but once you've spent your life or a decade fighting everything Fine. else the volumes turned down so that's what's training in sequence is like <laughs> fair, enough. fair enough so um uh you went from the the dent business to um kind of going through that transition and then um i remember i had ran into you it was at eos and oceanside i don't know if you remember um yeah yeah, yeah i do remember and, mm-hmm. and you were um you were uh, were you working there? Why did I run into you there? Um, I used to work for them. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. Uh, yeah, and it was I had um, worked for them for a little bit. Okay. Um, but uh, anyways, you had the dent repair business, and that was right prior to COVID. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was kind of, okay, hey, you were looking to make that step. But I remember also during that time, you were, that was like the tail end of your brown belt. It would have been, yeah. Yeah, it would have been. So COVID happened, and then again, following you on uh, social media, you ended up opening a school. How did that transition from, uh, okay, hey, things aren't going to work out with me being a fighter. I want to, I really love jiu-jitsu. I want to open a school. How did that whole transition unfold? Um, man, uh, there, there wasn't a whole lot to it. I just, I mean, the dent business was always just a, the only reason I did it was because when I trained at Dwayne's, I met a guy who always seemed to have enough money and he always also had enough money time to train, which is always the battle when you're trying to be a, sure. a low level professional fighter. Mm-hmm. You're trying to like make your way. Uh, and so I was like, what's the deal with this? And he was like, I, I fixed, I do dent repair. And I was like, I asked him to teach me and he taught me. Um, so that's why I got into that. I was never like something I wanted to do. It just was a business that I could like, Make money from make money from, but 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 also make my schedule. It was sure. like I just work in thirteen minute or thirty minute appointments, and then I could just block out training time. Um, so when as soon as I decided to stop fighting, I was like, "Well, I'm going to open a gym." And then um, because that was always the plan when That's I'm done fighting, whenever that was, when I'm done fighting, I'm going to open a gym. That's end goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then my wife was kind of like, "Oh, but you know, we're about to have a baby." And uh, maybe this isn't the right time. And I was like, I, if I don't do it now, we're never going to do it because it doesn't get your schedule doesn't get easier as your kids get older, mm-hmm. at least not for like a long time. Sure. <laughs> you know, um, for the first you know six months, they're kind of just laying there. It right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I just was like, all right, we're going to do it now. And then I went and found a place. It was like beginning of September. Um, signed a lease October 1st and gym was open October 23rd. I remember being in the, uh, in the room in the hospital where, when Avery was about to be born, my daughter, my wife was induced. So we were scheduled to be there. Right. So we were there for like a 12 hours before anything real was going on. Mm-hmm. So we're just sitting in the hospital. I'm there with my laptop, just making the prison jujitsu.com, like <laughs> designing the website. I was like, I gotta make this work. Cause, uh, you know, people were depending on me, but I knew I could do it. So I was just like, right. Just do the line. I was like, I'm doing it now. So, so, um, a lot of your roots are out here, right? Or, uh, yeah, there's a mm-hmm. lot of training and everything out here. How did you end up in, cause your academy's in Carlsbad? Escondido. Escondido. Yeah, how, yeah. how did, um, 
how did that, how did you end up there? Um, I, we lived in Carlsbad, which is for those that don't know, is directly West of Escondido. It's on the beach there and my dent business. So when we moved back from Denver, um, I knew I was going to, I opened the dent business in Denver. And then when we moved, I was like, okay, I'll open another one in California. Um, and long story short, I knew that Orange County was going to be the place to do it. Um, and, but my wife worked in San Diego. So mm. I was like, we'll live in Carlsbad. It nice. splits the difference. Then, um, when I lived in Carlsbad, I would drive up to sequence, but I couldn't do that every day. It was like an hour and a half. Right. Um, so I, I became friends with a local school in Carlsbad. Then when it came time to open my school, I was like, well, I, I didn't want to open up and compete with them that I just had made friends with over the last year. Mm -hmm. Um, so I went a little West and then there was a guy who now is my friend and actually is a student. Um, I just gave him his brown belt, but the, uh, um, at the time he was just an acquaintance and he was like, Hey, I have a school in Vista, which is where, which is where I was, that was my second option. Mm -hmm. Can you not open up here? And then I just told him like, well, I'll look around. I was like, I have to do what's best for us, but if I can find a place that's equally as good, then yeah, I'll go somewhere else, you know? So it was kind of just, um, it was the best thing. So there's a lot, you know, I, I say this a lot cause there's a lot of things about the school that were just outside of my control that um, just worked out for us that I feel like was just God's plan for our family because we we would have never looked in Escondido. Then we went to Escondido and we were like, oh, there's only like two schools here. Um, and they're both, like I looked at them, I looked at their marketing and the way they advertise and I was like, ah, I could beat these guys. Like in terms of, like I can make a better, I can make a better experience for members and I can market way better. Sure. Um, so yeah, we opened up and then we got, we got busy like immediately. Yeah. So where do you, where do you start? So you go into a brand new market, you have, you know, probably very limited relationships, right? Cause you were very intentional about not crossing any boundaries with people you built relationships with kind of in that, in that general yeah. area. How, how did you, how did you start? Um, How'd you get your first couple students? Let's start with that. So we, we, we rented the space and then while I was like building it um, and clearing things out and getting the mats ready, I just ran Instagram ads for presale and I was like, like cheap as shit. I don't think it was like $60 or something. And I was like, if you sign up before we open, excuse me, if you sign up before we open, you can keep this $60 a month jujitsu membership for Found, life. Found a great, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and so we opened the school. So we did that for three weeks. And when we opened the school, we had 20 members. And then, um, so be because I had the other business and I had a fair amount of experience in marketing from, uh, which is what I did before I worked at UFC gym. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I just knew a good amount about search engine optimization and Google ads and, and, um, and Instagram ads. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we opened up with 20 members and because we only had 20 members, I was, it's very easy to make to, there's a lot of one-on-one -on -one attention, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we instantly just created like a small group of guys that were just like all in, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then, so yeah, so then when we opened the school, there was usually at least three, four people in the class. That was my fear. I remember thinking like, how am I going to 
do this because like the first person is going to come in and be like, all right, well, you're signed up, but it's going to be me and you for the foreseeable future. Right. <laughs> you know, like it's going to be awkward. So um, when we opened the school, I, I, I reached out to a bunch of like independent gym owners and just had hour long conversations with them. And that's the direction they, they pointed me in. Got it. So uh, with that, uh, during that strategy, were there people that came over from other academies or all brand new first time? Uh, like 98% brand new. Got it. Um, and then uh, a handful of people came from the surrounding schools, like not directly, like they left, they left the other school and like they were there on Monday and then they were with us on Tuesday. That didn't happen. It would be like, I trained, I got my blue belt from the school and then I quit. Stop training, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then I just saw you guys are open. So maybe I'm going to jump back in, you know? Um, so yeah, we got a few people, but I'll tell you what, it would, it's for the most part, there's like two exceptions to this that I'm thinking of. Um, but for the most part, it was much better to have guys that came in as white belts because guys that come in from other gyms that already have a particular culture. Uh, it's hard to change that. Right. You know what I mean? And the other gyms in the area were very like rough kind of, uh, I don't know how to say it. It just, not my style. Sure. Very like bow to your sensei. <laughs> right. You know, like that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, yeah, there was like, yeah, and that's always harder to like get them to change the culture that they're used to. Um, but anyways, that's off topic. But yeah. Got it. So um, I guess kind of uh, I have a couple of things. Archie, you got a couple of questions. Uh, Archie's been I feel bad we've been uh, leaving, just... leaving Archie out of the equation here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're making it sound like it's so easy, man. <laughs> Opening up the gym. But what's the toughest thing you're experiencing right now? Right now, the toughest thing we're experiencing is we don't have enough space. <laughs> that's a good problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're trying to move. We're trying to move. I just got... My, I had a three-year lease. We're not two years in, um, but I was just able to get my lease ended early. We, we, we became busy enough that we were causing problems for the neighbors because there was no parking left. So I had to talk with the, land, the landlord, and I was like, hey, your other tenants are unhappy. Maybe it's mutually beneficial. I'll go find another space. So we're shopping for a new spot. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think it was – it wasn't I, – I have – I have like a principle or like a like an approach to to small business, and this definitely doesn't like once you get pat once you have to manage a team of people, this changes entirely. But when your business is small enough that it's just like you and maybe one or two people like that you that you pay minimum wage to or whatever you know, like real small businesses, um, my approach is like really simple. You just you find something that you like enough that you're willing to do it all the time for the foreseeable future, you know, um, not necessarily forever, but like for the foreseeable future, then you do it all the time for the foreseeable future until you become as good at it as you can be. You don't need to worry about like, are you better than this person or that person, but as good as you can be. Um, and then all you need to do is figure out how to get people to find out that you are that good about it. Good at it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, my, dad owned a business um he was he 
when I was younger, he stopped in that industry when I was like in high school, but he owned a business and he would always tell me like, I, I never even had business cards made. Like I didn't do any advertisements. I just, I, there was just no question that I was the best around in that my area. And then people find out, you know, um, I, so I don't go that I do. I do advertise a lot, but I also know that if people come to my school, you will be better. You'll learn better jujitsu and you'll have a better time and you'll make, you'll, you'll have a better experience than the people that I compete with. And it's not because it's just because I work at it all the time. You know, like I, I get better at jujitsu all the time. So like, I know what I'm teaching is the cutting edge of jujitsu, you know, and I'm competing and I prove it too, right? Like I compete against black belts regularly. So, um, but also I, 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 there's a weird thing that people have with jujitsu schools where they think because they're good at jujitsu, they can open a school. Um, and there's, there's so much more, you know, I learned this, I learned this from you actually, the, um, a lot of people, nobody cares. Nobody cares that you're like, nobody cares that I was the king of the cage champion, you know, but they care about is the experience they have when they get there. So I know that I can make people better at jujitsu because I've learned it well, and I've learned how to teach it. But also I've learned how to communicate with people and ensure that their experience in the gym is good. And to bring this like full circle, I, I said that there was three people, you're going to be surprised probably to hear this, but there's been, there was three people that had big influences in the way that I run the gym. It was Dwayne. And then it was my instructor, uh, John. And then the third person was, is you. Wow. Um, so the, I messaged you about this a while ago. There's like, that, I literally just thought of that, of that message. I didn't even put two and two. Yeah. Together. Yeah. Yeah. That's very flattering. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the, I, there's so much that I took from you in like, in, in two aspects of the business it's, it was member experience. You know, we used to do those meetings once a week when you were the fitness manager and there was a, there was a message that you gave a couple messages you gave about mem membership, member experience. And you, you probably don't remember this cause you did it once a week for years, but you were talking about like, you know, you go in the bathroom, there's no soap, you go in the bathroom, <laughs> you go dry your hands, there's no toilet, there's no, uh, there's no paper towels, whatever. Um, and then you go here and ah, there's a line for the bench. And then, you know, there's all these little things that like, you know, mm -hmm. so, um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so I put a lot of effort into like every, when you walk in my school, everything's clean. It looks organized, which makes you feel subconsciously, you feel better being in an organized place. Everything's clean. It smells good in there, which for a jujitsu school, it doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> it smells good. Bathrooms are always clean. There's like, um, you know, if you need this and that, there's like, you know, there's spare mouthwash deodorant and the thing if you need it like spray we have rules about like cleanliness so that because that affects other people's um experience a lot like with the smelly gee guy and all that sure. stuff um so yeah just member experience is what a lot of what, a lot about what i learned from you and then the other thing about that is is that i learned from you is um i guess you would say sales but i don't really look at it as sales um I think that I've read like sales books and like Alex Hormozzi and all these things, all these guys that are, have all these ways to kind of manipulate people into wanting certain things and spending maximum amount of money. And when I would watch people, watch you deal with customers, you didn't talk people into anything. You just like took an interest in the person 
and then you were excited about what you talked about. You had like a passion for it. And then you took in your, you took an interest in the person and then you talked about their goals. And then, and then because what you were selling was a legitimately good product, it was easy. It was just like, Hey, look, this is what you're interested in. And I know this because I've taken an interest in you and look how this fits. Right. You know, do you want it or do you not? Right. And then usually it's like, if you're selling something good, it's like, well, yeah, Yeah. I want it. (laughs) That's super. I mean, that's super cool. Literally my mind is spinning right now just because I'm literally (laughs) replaying all those, you you know, I mean, I I remember some specific instances of us having interactions with, you know, about these kinds of conversations and also just with uh, some of the clients that, um, you know, you had an opportunity to train and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was a, that was a fun era, man. It was. Yeah, it was fun era. Yeah, definitely. Um, Switching gears. Mm -hmm. So um, you had mentioned uh, cutting out of jujitsu. Right, and you're extremely mm. confident in regards to um, what you're teaching, mm-hmm. and uh, you also mentioned that you, you're learning a lot, right, by um, having the academy and just you know, kind of the the process that you're going through. Uh, one of the things that we had uh, been talking about recently is all of the content you've been creating and kind of instructional oh, yeah, content. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so walk us walk us through that. I mean, it's it's been exponentially, yeah growing right i've been seeing your not just your your follower base but also just the content i could see it continue to evolve Mm -hmm. what what made you want to take those steps to start having kind of some of that micro content and micro education as part of your strategy um yeah uh in terms of what made me want to do it was probably pretty selfish it was just like a a uh just a way to advertise and build a brand I think when we started and the school was small, um, my approach to marketing was was like a direct approach, like put an advertisement in front of one person, get a hold of that person, and then make that person a member. I think my approach now, uh, where we've reached a certain size, is like establishing my school as a brand and like a... Um, like a brand that is at the forefront of the sport, you know, um, which is the goal. We, you know, we haven't won anything major yet, but I don't have any students that have been around long enough to do that. Um, you know, my most experienced student has been training for like less than two years. So, wow. um, but we do win a lot in, in competitions. And so like, that's, I'm trying to establish us as like a brand. Um, so that's, that's what motivated me to do it, which is not a, it's a selfish motivation, but sure. nothing, nothing <laughs> all wrong with that. How'd you start? How'd you start that, that whole, uh, cause I've seen it evolve quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, how does, or how did you start it? Um, I don't know. I started it like the way that I start most projects is I just go onto YouTube and go how to do yeah. <laughs> very resourceful. Yeah. Very resourceful. Um, but I think the biggest thing with that, that I changed because I was always, making videos um but not getting anywhere with it and then i would go through streaks where i would like i'm gonna make it a lot and then i would not and then you know on and off because i wouldn't get any results out of it Mm -hmm. um the i think the biggest change that i made was i shifted from making videos that were about look how awesome i am or we are and then i started making videos at geared to um helping like, how can I give to the people that are watching the video? Mm-hmm. You know, 
this seems pretty obvious when I say it, but before it was like my goal, like if I could just show people how cool my shit is, <laughs> like how everybody's, cool. Everybody's going to come in line. Right. And just, just start joining. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but, but then when you think about what you watch, when you scroll, what catches your attention is either something like very extreme, you know, like, um, like news clippy, like, mm -hmm. oh, X number of people died in this, like that, that catches your attention, but that's obviously not the way we're going. Uh, the other stuff is like, oh, like, can I gain something from watching this video? Mm -hmm. And then if not, and, and can I gain it really quickly? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like in the next 15 seconds. And then if not, then I'm going to keep you know, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Archie, Archie, you got a question? Yeah. So are you the only coach there right now? Um, I have a, I have two young guys that help me with the kids. Um, I still teach the kids. Uh, I have a, I have a really good kids instructor that came, he started training at my school at the grand opening, came to the grand opening and he's been there since. Um, so he, I would say him and I kind of equally teach the kids. We're both there every day, but it might be like, I'm tired today. You're, you're teaching. I'm helping. And then other days I'm like, all right, I'll teach you help, you know? And then I have another new guy that uh, is um, helping with the kids too. But yeah, I teach all the adults classes. We have like thir 13 adults classes and 10 kids classes a week. Um, and yeah, right now I'm at all of them, but it's, it's fun. It's not, it's, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got, I got to, I want to switch gears here. Um, so you're, you have, uh, you had the dent business, mm. two different States. You did it in Denver. You moved it over here. You started your Academy. Um, and then you have the seminar, um, Oh, the retreats. Your retreat, yes. Yeah, retreat business. Let's let's chat about uh, let's chat about that. Um, man, so that's the retreat business is definitely more of a like a passion project. Um, it's more like, hey, what I like to do is go to awesome places and then do jujitsu there. So how can I uh, get people to pay me to do that? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but we do it. We do it uh, like twice a year. Or the first, we did one, one year, and then this is the second year. And we're like, all right, we're going to do two this year. I think ultimately we probably will never grow past four a year. Sure. Um, tell, tell us about it. So, so how does that, how does that work? Um, man, we just, logistically, we, we first, it's a lot of it's decided through logistics. We have to find a place that is awesome to be at. Like, what's an example? What was the last one you were at? The uh, last one we did was Sayulita in Mexico. So I just was there. Mm -hmm. This was last weekend. Right. Um, Sayulita in Mexico, um, which is right above Puerto Vallarta. Wow. Um, so, so we just, yeah, I don't know. I just look for like cool, it's usually beach places because jujitsu people tend to like the beach. Sure. Um, <laughs> the, um, the, uh, the hence, one we did. Hence the reason you left Denver. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We like the beach and, and tacos. Yeah. Um, and there's none of that in Denver. Um, so, uh, we. First one we did was Tulum. Second one we did was Sayulita. We actually tried to do Bali, and then we scrapped it uh, because it was too big of an undertaking um, in terms of cost. We tried to make it as effective as possible, but when the plane tickets are twelve hundred bucks and the guy wants to bring his wife, and then we're talking usually young guys, mm -hmm. um, the you know it's twenty four hundred dollars just to get there, and then we got to make money on the retreat itself. 
Um, I, I think ultimately, if you want to do a retreat business and make that your business, you have to do it the way that like Grappler's Retreat does it, mm-hmm. where they own a place mm-hmm. and then you come to them. Right. Because um, logistically, it's the only way that's feasible. I think the cost is so high when you're like renting an Airbnb at the regular rate. And you're everything like there's no wholesale involved, you know. Sure, sure, sure. Um, where guys like uh, Grappler's Retreat, they own the place already. I'm sure they place pay some property taxes, and then all they have to do is pay for the instructor to get there. Right. And then they go, "Hey, you guys get to us, and we're here. Right. <laughs> you we're know, ready to go. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So the goal with that is really not to make any sort of like life changing money. It's just like if if we can make a little bit of side cash and we got to go to, we got a free trip to Tulum or we got a free trip to Bali. It's mm-hmm. just fun. And then, and, and the experience is like, I mean, it is like really great for the, the people that go. You know? How many days is it? We did Tulum for five days, I think. Five days of Tulum. Maybe it was like six days and it was four days of training and then two travel days. Um, but man, the first one that we did Tulum, we went there with 16 people. We rented out this house and we did breath work because my partner, Miles Lucas, is a Wim Hof instructor. I, did, I've been trying to link up with him, by the way. We've been we've been messaging each other back and forth. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you should. He's um, uh, he, yeah, and he'd be a great podcast. Speaking of like people that are like enthusiastic, he's, he's easy to talk to. <laughs> sure. <yeah. laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we would do breath work, then we do ice baths which is a really bonding experience. You know, if you want to get close with someone really fast, either you get drunk with them or you suffer with them. That's <laughs> so getting in the ice bath, like overcoming your fears together and you're all pumping each other up. It's like, it's unique. And then, uh, yeah, then we find a great place to do jujitsu. And usually most of the, that's usually the easiest part because most of the places we go to are, relatively i would say like poor areas you know or like at least the country is mm-hmm. maybe not poor but compared to like san diego it's sure. like lower income sure so if you come to them and say hey I'll, I'll give you i'll pay mat fees for every single person you don't even have to teach a class just let us go in there so you go into someone's academy yeah yeah oh, mm-hmm. got it. yeah um and then yeah and then that's all we do and then usually we figure out we we, we, we get people's like we'll maybe make breakfast uh or and then so we'll include that in the cost and then once we're done with training like it's like we're done by noon and then it's free time free time yeah yeah wow yeah. um but yeah it's really cool it has been difficult how to figure out how to make the finances work the first time the first time in tulum was a fucking loss <laughs> it's like it actually was gonna work out great we had a we were gonna break even which was for our first one and we got to go for free and you know what i mean like sure. um break even on all of our food and all that stuff so we were going to break even, which was what our goal was for our first one. And then our flight got canceled and I had to get back the day of, and I had to drop like $2,000 on plane tickets day of <laughs> to get home to, to teach. So I was like, well, that was a loss. <laughs> a learning experience. Call yeah. that tuition. Right, right. Tuition for learning experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, that's awesome. And then um, how did you hook up with, uh, with Miles Lucas? I think he just messaged me on Instagram. Hmm. I think when we opened the school, he was like, just asking me because he's kind of a floater. I'm sweating, man. I'm sorry. Um, he's uh, he's kind of a floater. He got his black belt from Dave Camarillo, mm-hmm. in, uh, which is like San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And then he lives in San Diego now, so he kind of just surfs open mats. Sure. And then so he hit me up, and I was like, yeah. I mean, I I just right now I'm training with a sea of white belts, so 
come I won't charge you anything. Just please come chat with me. <laughs> and then and I think we just clicked. We're like in a lot of ways we're we're really similar. So we just became friends pretty like right away. Yeah. That's super cool. That's super cool. Um Archie, long, what do you got? How long have you been practicing the breathwork techniques and I don't practice it very much. Oh, okay. No, no, no. My, yeah, that's Miles' thing. When he goes to uh, gotcha. when when he goes to the retreats is when he does it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do have do one. What's that? Say that again. The two things that I guess would I would say are breath work related that I do is um, I do have a like a heart rate lowering routine that I do in between matches when I compete. Um, and that is really effective, super, super effective. Um, and again, I don't know how much of that is like physiological or how much of it is just like, it gives me something else to focus on. So it brings my heart rate down instead of being like, oh my God, I got another match, you know? So, but it is very effective for me and I have my students do it too. Um, and then the other thing is, is I, uh, I take my mouth when I sleep at night. So you breathe through your nose. Um, and that actually is a game changer for sleep quality. Um, but the rest of it, I, I. I don't, I don't do. Um, Isn't there like an actual product? It's a hostage tape that hostage tape. Yeah, yeah. But you can get like uh, Chinese whatever off brand for the fraction of the price. It works just as well. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, I think hostage tape. They have like a the their selling point is it works because if you don't shave, if I don't shave for a few days, then my tape doesn't stick to my mm -hmm. mouth. That's their like selling point is it works for people with beards. Um, so Archie, for you, that might be a good option. But... I, got, I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> We're good. Same thing you got. But yeah, it, it, it is cool. I don't, I don't not do it because I'm not interested in it. I just have so much that I'm learning um, in other realms. It's, it's just not a priority for me. So. Um, so. Let's talk about daily routine. You got a lot going on. Um, you got the wife, got the kids, got mm -hmm. the academy, got uh, now you're looking for a new space, mm -hmm. right? It's a lot more that adds a little bit more complexity. Um, what's your daily routine look like? Um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I I get up at like, I don't know, 545. Um well, yeah, I guess 5.45 now. We just changed the class time. That's fun. Uh, I get up at 5.45 and then I just stumble my way to the gym uh, and all my stuff's there. Like my gi is like ready already because I'm just not a morning person. So stumble my way to the gym. There's a coffee maker there. And then by the time class starts, by the warm, by the time warm-ups are done, I'm, I'm ready to go. Ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I teach first class at 6.30. Uh, then, and I train in pretty much every class that I teach. Teach at 6.30. Uh, in between the 6.30 class and the 10.30 class is kind of my time to do content. Um, so I'll film a video after that. I'll edit it and I'll try to have it out by like 10. Um, 10.30 class, train there, um, lunch. Then after that, that afternoon period changes a lot. Um, it's just kind of the odds and ends of like, of uh, just business related stuff. Like I'll... I, file my taxes, do the payroll, you know, it's just like administrative random sure. stuff. Um, then first kids class is 345, then 445. 
Then I got a 6 p.m. adults class that I don't train in. I just teach that one. It's like an all levels class. Then I got a 7 p.m. advanced class that's like 7 to 8.30. And then clean up, close the gym by 9. And so that Monday, Wednesday, Friday are really long days. Yeah, it sounds like it. But Tuesday, Thursday, um, Tuesday, Thursday, I'm with, um, I just get up with my daughter and then I'm home until like three. So I'm just all day. It's just usually stuff with my daughter. And um, and then I, th- and then there's three classes, uh, little kids, big kids, and then adults. So I go, I go on Tuesday, Thursdays, I go in for like four and a half hours. No, four hours. Um, Saturdays, I teach a kid's class in the morning and an adult's class, and I'm done by noon. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, pretty much any time I teach, I just, that's my training session. So I'll just teach the techniques, and then it's time to spar. And then I just, like, if I have new moves that I'm trying to work on, I'll just spar with the white belts and, like, cool. learn. That's my drilling. And then once I get that down, I'll go with, like, blue belts and purple belts. And, um, and then, yeah. Tuesday, Thursday is is like daughter time, and then when she naps, I lift. And then Saturday, I'll teach those classes. Come home, lift at night. Sunday is my open mat day. I'll usually go to Legion or uh, Legion or um, Jocko School, Victory, Victory. Yeah. Um, and How's then that? I don't say I've seen videos. It looks massive. Um, Victory or Legion? Um, Victory. Looks like there's a lot of so it's of bodies. it's big. It's not. There's a lot of they're a really big gym. So there's a, there's a mix in terms of what, what the quality of training you'll get. But what is awesome is that they have a small room to the side. This is the room that Jocko trains in and it's only brown belts and black belts. Mm. Um, they won't kick anybody out. It's an unspoken rule, but it's, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. So there's only like 15 people over there. Um, and so that is like, yeah, if you want to get murdered for an hour, it's a good way to go. Good place. Good place to go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How's, How's Legion? Legion is jujitsu heaven, man. Five five thousand square feet of mats, and there's not enough space. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's wow. insane. You walk in, you're like, "What is happening here? It's crazy." And you could just ro- you could go there and roll for an hour and just roll with black belts. There's enough people there that, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, I I don't I don't I don't know. It's cool to visit. I I don't want that. I don't want that ever. That yeah. seems like so much headache and you know what i mean like so difficult so sure. much overhead and difficult to run teams and things like that yeah but it's cool to visit but i like my small i got like 180 students and that's all i need i'm set there yeah, that's <laughs> awesome that's awesome and then um how often do you come uh over here to the to the home gym to the mothership i don't get to come <laughs> i don't get to come very much because the best time to have class is the best time to have class mm-hmm. and i um I don't have a whole lot of like senior students that are like my students. I've got some like brown belts that I inherited, like they came from other schools, but um, nobody like homegrown that teaches like necessarily like my curriculum. Your stuff. system, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's hard, but so man, less than once a month. Got it. Yeah, it's tough. And then I, I on Sundays, like my day, so like to, to Sunday, I went to Peerless for open mat, but mm-hmm. their sequence doesn't open on Sunday. So it's like the one day that I do have. Right. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't uh, doesn't quite uh, work with the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I got a question. So, I mean, you're a competitive black belt. I have some questions about that. Mm-hmm. Um, competitive black belt. You know, run with a bunch of assassins, right? You've been around both the MMA world and and gi and oki jiu jitsu world. Um, 
a lot of your students are new to jiu-jitsu so you know you're like you said hey i'm just getting some kind of warm-up reps and Mm -hmm. just kind of working through some drills um do you find that your um your skills have gotten sharper because of um the training partners that you do have now yeah i i think i'm getting better faster than i've ever gotten better Mm. yeah for sure um i i think that if i was like uh actually no that's not even true yeah i was good what i was gonna say is i think that maybe if i wasn't as experienced and rolling with only people less experienced than me that i wouldn't be improving but no i don't think that's true i because I, I think it's way easier for me to like learn new skills mm. you know so my my thing is is like every i go through like three month phases where i'm like three or four months where i'm like i'm working on usually i'll pick something from the top and something from the bottom um and i'm like all right i'm working so for example right now if i'm on top i'm working on long distance passing because most of my my best passing is like tight passing like half guard with an underhook or Mm -hmm. over under passing things like that where i'm like squeezing them um so my goal is to work on like long distance passing leg drags and toriandos and stuff like that Mm -hmm. And then if I'm on the bottom, I'm working on leg locks. Um, so if like so, what my, my my week goes like is I when I roll with the white belts, I can like tra- try out entirely new things. Mm-hmm. You just have to keep yourself accountable because sometimes you roll with white belts and you're like you'll do things that are not right because you know that they can't, they won't it capitalize. Doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you just have to, you just have to keep yourself accountable. Like you have to know that, like, oh, I gave him an opportunity there. That still should be a loss. Like you still, in your head, you got swept, even though they didn't sweep you. Right. You know. Um, so do you just smash all your students? <laughs> no, no, I, I, no, I, I don't at all because I, because when I roll with them, I'm, I'm only doing things that I'm not good at. Sure. So, I, uh, I think. Every once in a while I do because sometimes I'll roll with someone and it'll take me a whole round to pass their guard. Not a white belt, but a blue belt. It'll take me a whole round to pass their guard. And then I think sometimes they'll be like, like, why did I do so good? And I'll I'll pick up that vibe. So the next day I'll roll with them and I'll tap them four times. I'm like, just so you know, yeah. I was I was working on something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to press the reset button real quick. Yeah. Let you know. <laughs> let you know who's who in here. Yeah. But I think competing helps that. I, I, and also now I talk about it enough. I think everyone is aware of that because I recommend all of them to do that too. Like when I have like my better blue belts, I'm like, dude, don't, don't roll with the white belts and just smash I'm your A game into them. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't, take anything from that if it's already your a game you know you don't have to do something entirely new but maybe do your b game Mm -hmm. you know so when i yeah when i roll with white belts it's like i'm just figuring out the moves it's basically drilling and then when i roll then i'll try it on the blue belts um and so i'll go through phases where i'm like i'm rolling with the white belts as i'm learning specific moves and then i kind of have a system down i'm like all right let me try it on the blue belts and then they'll make me troubleshoot it because they're good enough and i'll explain it to them like, like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I've been learning. And so they know what I'm trying to do. And so they're good enough to, to capitalize on any openings that I leave. And then I go to open mat at the end of the week. And I try it on the, on the upper belts, purples, browns, and blacks. And then if it doesn't work, then I go start the process over. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that, that th- this is not so much, it used to be the thing that if you wanted to get good, you just had to get crushed over and over again and i think you'll get tough that way 
which is important, but you not necessarily get better. That's two different things. Being yeah, tough yeah. and good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two two different worlds. Right, right. Sure. I mean, it helps. It helps for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah you gotta. I think. I, I think you can benefit by. Yeah, you need tough. both. Yeah. You need both for sure. Um, cool. We're at the uh, at the top of the hour, Archie. What do you got? I got some rapid fire questions. If you're ready. Yeah. Is he ready? (laughs) Is he ready? What kind of silly question is that, Archie? (laughs) All right. Uh, Coffee or energy drinks? Uh, I'm a coffee addict. In fact, if I'm forced to have an energy drink, I'll just go have coffee afterwards and then just be like tweaked out of my mind for the day because I I can't skip my coffee. (laughs) Ghee or no ghee? No ghee, 60-40. I like them both, but no ghee. Breathwork seminar or jujitsu seminar? <laughs> to give or to take? To take. Ooh, you know what? I'm gonna say breathwork seminar. Okay. I'm gonna say breathwork seminar. I don't. I don't like jujitsu seminars. I, I, I think they're not worth the money uh, because you can typically like get a get a uh, a BJJ fanatics DVD for like just a little bit more money and learn twenty times more. And I, my experience with seminars is that because they have to they have to um, teach to the entire room or they have to teach to the lowest level of the room. Mm. A lot of times you get a world champion that's just teaching you how to escape side control. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, ah, I could have got this from a YouTube video. <laughs> you know? I can understand that. And if you could put it on repeat. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, and last one, if you can roll with any three people in the world, who would they be? I mean, I feel like I just have to have to wrote, put Gordon in there just to feel what that's like. You know, <laughs> um, let's see. Mika, Mika Gaval. Mm. That would be great. And then um, hmm. I want to say J-Rod. I'm going to put J-Rod in there because I would, I'm really curious to know how much of his results is, is his athleticism. Or and how much of it is his technical ability? I can't imagine he's that technical with a limited amount of time. So I'd be curious to know, like, did you really learn this fast, or are you just a freak? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so he's, yeah. I think what's interesting is like the further and further he's like in the game, right? If if you will, yeah. I mean that the technical proficiency is like you can see it. He improves. Uh, he yeah. improves. And I, and I'll tell you what, this is the biggest thing, the biggest difference between being a good instructor and a big competitor is when you want to be a good competitor, you don't need to know much. You need to be very good at like five things, you know. Um, he's already a good takedown player. So he, he came in with wrestling, so he didn't need to learn the guard. Um, he just, he already is on top. So all he needed to do was learn how to pass the guard. And when then they give up their back to avoid the guard pass, he needed to learn how to take the back and choke him. Right. So you just get it. I learned that from Neil Melanson. He was like, you don't, don't get good at all these things. Just get your your two or three submissions that you're fucking great at and then figure out different ways to get there instead of learning all the things, wow. you know? So I think that's the J-Rod approach. He's just got like, he's good at takedowns, he's got a great knee cut pass and he's good at taking the back mm-hmm. and then and smashing people's face from the back. Right. <laughs> yeah, it helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cool. Before we uh, before we break, I got um, really two, actually three questions. So, question number one: uh, What advice would you give to somebody that is um, an upcoming entrepreneur slash small business owner, someone that's looking to make a jump? Right? They have an idea in their mind. They're not one hundred percent sure what they need to do or what to do. What advice would you give somebody? 
Sorry. Um, I would say, I think I would go back to what I said earlier is just, you just, you need to make sure that your product, whether that be a service or a physical product is as good as it can possibly be. Um, if you're selling someone else's product, you're, that's a hard way to make a super successful business. Um, but, um, so yeah, make sure it's as good as it possibly can be. You need to work all the time at that. Uh, and then figure out a way to let people know that you have such a good product. Um, so basically that's just my way of saying, learn, learn marketing. Uh, and then I, I think nowadays kind of the three Kings of marketing is, is, um, like Google results because people, people will find their businesses way more online than they do like driving by and they go, Oh, a furniture store, you know? Um, so Google results, social media and, um, um, uh, uh, maps, you know, like, uh, being top of the list on maps, which, and those are all really easy, easy skills to learn. I didn't, I didn't go to school for any of that. I just spent like three days watching YouTube videos and that's better than most people. Cause most people don't put it, don't put any effort into it. Wow. So some solid, uh, some solid coaching. Um, what now? So you got, uh, moving to a new facility, you got, um, you know, you've been, active on the competitive scene uh you know you got the other uh retreat business you got a lot of stuff going on i mean what are you what are you working on now um we're open we're working on rolling out our online school um the uh i I don't want my physical school even though i think it might be inevitable but i don't really want my physical school to get too much bigger until i have black belts under me um I feel like I've reached my capacity for the amount of people that I can hold in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really market or advertise or at all for the school anymore because I have enough of referrals. I just want to maintain that number. Um, and so, but I do want to continue to grow the business because, you know, you should always be growing. So um, the online school is what's coming. So my goal with the online school is we're making Prism Plus and it's Prism P-R-I-S-M. Everyone always thinks I'm saying prison jujitsu. <laughs> I get that all the time. Like prison jujitsu? Like, yeah, we do five sets of five bench and we're done. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Pull out the shank. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's called Prism Plus. And my goal with that is to create, you know, you talked about flow charts, mm-hmm. is to create an entirely comprehensive um like, like not all moves that exist, but, but solutions to all positions that you can be in and make it an entirely comprehensive one place where you can find, Hey, I'm having trouble with side mount. And then you go to that, you know, or you can start from the beginning and be like, this is the first thing you need to learn when you start jujitsu and then you build, or if you're already experienced, you can search for specific things. Um, so that's a prison plus. So we're going to start, that's going to, we just filmed the last video, the last video that we want to have in the rollout. So we have like escaping all the positions all the bad escape positions which is usually what i start people with and guard retention filmed so we're going to roll that out soon and then every month we're going to add one more category into it yeah yeah um that's what we're working on that's all um living behind a paywall like a learning management system behind a paywall um it's gonna be yeah that that whole curriculum will be at be will be behind a paywall will be behind a paywall but um, we're going to 
continue to put free stuff like on the YouTube channel and on the Instagram channel. Got it. Um, so like a little pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the stuff on the, like I put like real stuff on the Instagram channel. I, I think that I, I used to always think like I would try to, I needed to put flashy things on there, but if I would just put like a real, like, like this is, this is really what you need. Like you, you're most people that are searching Instagram videos. Like you don't need to learn like, like flying Camorras. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's three ways to escape side mount. Those videos like explode because everyone's like, fuck, I'm always stuck inside my, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So that stuff is, we, we, we try to our best to put like real helpful information on the free platforms. Um, but if you want a comprehensive and a, uh, like curriculum and a way to search for your specific needs, then that's behind a paywall. Yeah. When, uh, when does that roll out? Um, so we're just editing the last series of videos. Um, so it should be like two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's prism prism plus like plus is spelled out prism plus dot online got it mm-hmm. got it cool um all right well uh listen man i i'm i'm super stoked that we had a chance to, to yeah. connect uh, it's been great seeing you definitely some awesome conversation um how does somebody learn more about you and, and the academy and, and all those things so you can go to prism 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 jujitsu on uh we're just uh, pretty much on everything TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, um, and it's prismjujitsu.com to find the website. And then um, me personally, which is on social media, is pretty much all the same uh, content. It's just me posting on both pages. Uh, it's just Nick Angeloni, 155, Facebook, Instagram, uh, threads. I just got threads. Nice. No one no one follows me, so, so follow <laughs> me, please. <laughs> um, and then the Academy, where's the Academy located? Escondido. So we're like, uh, we're North, North San Diego County. Um, it's, it's not an awesome place. I wouldn't visit it, uh, like other than coming to our school, but come to our school. <laughs> if somebody wanted to, uh, to go down, um, could they come in, do a, take a class, do a drop in? How does that work? I, I let people come in and train for free for one day. If anybody wants to come in and train, I don't, um, I, find that like having a person that comes in from another school is like more valuable to my students. I'd rather them just come in and get, give my students different looks. Um, I, you know, charging $20 for a math fee is not worth it for me. I'd rather have people come in and visit. So the, you can always come in once and train. And then after that, then I do charge a small mat fee, like 25 bucks for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. Archie, what do we miss? Hold on. That's it, man. Appreciate your time, Nick. That was some um, great conversations. Yeah. Thank you. This was great. Awesome guys. Absolutely. Well, uh, the episode with Nick Angeloni with Prism Jiu-Jitsu is a wrap. Uh, Nick, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing the online school continue to grow. Uh, We'll do everything we can to uh, continue to support you. Um, Closing out the the episode here real quick, I want to make sure we give a shout out to our sponsor, Union Staffing Group. We're a boutique uh, recruiting and staffing firm. We work with small to medium-sized businesses and support with all of your outsourced recruiting needs. Um, Other than that, um, thank you for listening to the Biz Jitsu podcast. We talk all things business, all things jujitsu. Look forward to um, getting this episode out with Nick Angeloni. Nick, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, brother. All right, everyone. Bye, See you guys. Bye. See ya.